Hello and welcome to Should I Wish Someone Told Me, a weekly series of educational conversations where my guests and I talk about all of the shit that we wish someone would have told us at one point or another about various topics, all of which relate back to the most important topic of all, you, and figuring out who that even is, learning how to accept and even love that person so that you can live the life that you've always wanted and be the person that you want to be. I am your host, John Renee, certified evidence-based life coach specializing in behavioral change and teaching you research-backed techniques using brain science to help you finally feel good and become the person that you need to be in order to have the life that you want. And joining us today, we have Miss Abigail Wilbur of Abigail underscore the mindfulness practice. And what we're going to be talking about today is drum roll. People pleasing. (laughs) So this is a conversation that I feel we can all relate to on some level or another. And there's lots of information out there about it. And so we want to present it in a different way. We are going to be focusing specifically on getting really clear about what it is and the many sneaky ways that it can show up. Maybe even some that you might not have considered. And our goal today is going to be to share some of our own personal experiences and give you some tools that you can use to successfully navigate the people pleasing experience so that you can take your power back. And that's going to look like us, you know, explaining why we do it in the first place, kind of offering you a reframe about what it means to people please. And as you're listening, we want you to think about where people pleasing shows up for you in your life and in what ways. Meaning, do you, you know, only see it happening in your relationships with your family or, you know, is it only at work? If it's in both, are those different in some way? Do you tend to, you know, people please a family member and not a significant other or maybe vice versa? So just be thinking about this. And again, just, you know, disclaimer, this is not to shame you or make you feel bad. This is to provide you with this insight and awareness and tell you some shit that we were someone would have told us so that. You don't have to, you know, be wondering someday, like, well, why do I do this? Because we, we were telling you, we're here right now to tell you. And so with all of that, let me introduce you to our guest today. So for those of you who don't know, she's been on the podcast before. So I'll make sure to link those episodes below for anyone that's interested. We've had a few awesome conversations that have been a true pleasure and a gift. And so um, if you aren't familiar Abigail is a coach for the seekers, overthinkers, and people pleasers. Mm -hmm. So appropriate. She teaches the basics of how the nervous system works, how to examine and rewrite beliefs that hold you back, how to build resiliency through mindfulness to support well-being and increase self-compassion, confidence, and self-worth. She also teaches teens life skills that they aren't taught in school. So some shit that, you know, we're someone to told taught yep. us as a teen. Um, and you can find her at abigailwilber.com. And she also ho- co-hosts the podcast with Margot called Anxiety Warriors, a podcast dedicated to advocating for anxiety and mental health awareness, which I've been a guest on. So mm-hmm. if you have not checked that out already, do so. Yeah. That'll also be in the, the show notes and description. Um, because I didn't know what anxiety was. And so, um, it was a really cool conversation about that, but enough about me. Thank you for being here. Yeah. Is there anything else that you would like to add before we dive into our conversation today? Uh, no, I'm just excited. And I guess, you know, I identify as a recovering people pleaser. So this is a topic I'm very passionate about because um, most of my life I was doing a lot of people pleasing. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm excited to hear about that. And we're definitely going to share some of that today. And so you know, let's tell, tell, tell the people, what is some shit that you wish someone would have told you about people pleasing? Yeah. I mean, so many things, right? Like not just like what people pleasing is, but also just like that people pleasing is a spectrum. Mm -hmm. Right. And so, uh, when we're people pleasing, it might be stuff like, you know, we're always, you know, pretending to agree with everyone right? Or people pleasing is like feeling responsible for how other people feel. Or people pleasing is like apologizing often, even if you don't mean it, right? But it's like, it can be big things like compromising your well-being um, and saying yes to so many things that you feel burnout. But it could be like little things too, like Mm -hmm. 
you know, making plans to go to lunch and you had one spot in mind and your friend had another and your friend says the place first and you just say yes. Because you don't want to like go back and forth. You don't want to, you know, and so that's like the subtle form of, of people pleasing. Um, and the other thing that I wish, you know, people had told me that I had, you know, took a long time to learn about is that people pleasing can also go by the, the, the fawn response mm. and that people pleasing is an evolutionary tactic to keep us safe. And that information, when I finally learned it, is what helped me have more self-compassion and change a lot of my behaviors around people-pleasing when I understood it was like a safety mechanism. Ugh. And that's that reframe that I said in the intro that I wanted to, that we want to offer everyone is that this is literally like how we were designed yeah. to, to act and to behave. And could you tell us a little bit more about like what that evolutionary tactic looks like and like how it shows up and, you know, just kind of help us to break down like what that looks like and what your experience was like whenever you did learn that. Yeah. Um, so, so many different ways to respond to that. So I guess the first thing is when we think about it in the sense of like work, right. You had mentioned like um, your work, your relationships, your family, you know, you're this and that. And, and so when we think about way back when, mm-hmm. when we were living, you know, in the woods and we needed to protect ourselves from bears, right. We needed to get along with our community. We needed to be liked and accepted. If we were ostracized, we were left for the bears. Mm-hmm. And so this fawn response, this willing to go with the flow, this saying yes when you want to say no, this always trying to make other people happy at the expense of you was a way to keep you safe with your community. Right. To prevent rejection from the tribe. Yes. Yes. And so that now changes because we need to work. We live in a capitalistic society. We need to work to make a living, to pay our bills so we have a place to live. That is all what we need to survive in this society. And so again, our boss might ask something of us and we want to say no, Mm. but we say yes, because that deep survival instinct of like, I don't want to be ostracized. I don't want to be rejected by the group. Same thing with like dating. If, if If you're dating and you're looking for partnership, right? Because the alternative is being alone. And for you, that feels like a threat then you're going to say yes to things that you don't want to say yes to because of the safety of being in partnership, Yeah. right? So it always stems back to this idea of we don't want to be ostracized. We don't want to be the ones that are like left to fight the bear by ourselves. So we'll compromise parts of ourselves so that we are accepted into the group. So we're safe in the, in the group, in the community. Right. But that's not always what we need these days, right? It's like our evolutionary, our um, our nervous system hasn't really adapted to the world we live in now. Right, hasn't right? caught up. Right, so it's still responding like every threat is a bear when not every threat like our boss asking us to stay an hour late is necessarily a bear. Right. Yeah. Right, I think that's a great analogy and thank you for sharing all that and what an empowering reframe because yeah, instead of something that I want to, you know, just call out is people pleasing. It's a term. It's not a new term. Like I said, there's a ton of things out about it now. Like you can Google like research and like there's, there's so much information. And I think that what the overall tone of this information is, is that this is a bad thing. Like this is something like, oh, I I need to work on my people pleasing tendencies. I need to not be a people pleaser. And that might be true, but at the same time, it could be something where, like you said, it's a spectrum. And so it's important to notice, you know, that difference between, you know, am I people pleasing, like in a way that is supporting me to, you know, be a valuable team member on this project at work, right? Like, are we, you know, working together here or am I sacrificing my own needs? Yes. Which I think is an important distinction. And so let's define it. Like, how would you define people pleasing? Like with that being said, because that's kind of like, there's a lot of gray there. And so how would you define, like you mentioned, like it's on a spectrum, like what would you say people pleasing actually is? 
Yeah. I mean, I think it's like a bunch of different behaviors and a bunch of different like ways of being, you know, like sometimes people pleasing is, you know, um, like acting like the people around you, right? Mm -hmm. Even if that is not something that you, you know, you don't agree with, or that's not who you truly are, or, um, you know, people pleasing is avoiding conflict and avoiding speaking up for yourself. Um, you know, people pleasing, I feel like is, is something that was conditioned a lot in children, mm-hmm. right? And in the society in general, aside from that, it's an evolutionary tactic, you know, girls are taught to be quiet, to be easygoing, you know, um, not make big waves, you know, don't, you know, don't be assertive, but the right. very agreeable, don't be bossy, right? Yeah. Um, and so I think that when we think of people pleasing, a lot of it is compromising who you are mm-hmm. to feel like you fit in mm-hmm. to society, to your classroom, to your friend group. Um, and and like we said, it's not always bad, but if you're noticing you don't speak up for yourself, if you're noticing feeling burnt out, if you're noticing you want to say no and you say yes, that is all information for you that you might want to change some of your people-pleasing tendencies. Right, right. I would say that, and thank you for sharing. I would say that, yeah, my definition is essentially it's the cost of losing yourself at the expense of others. Mm -hmm. And it's something where I think that we might misidentify, like we were saying, you know, our ability to compromise and, you know, to not sacrifice, but to, you know, give up some of the things that we want, you know, so that we can like meet in the middle with other things. We might look at that as people pleasing. And I mean, that's one way to label it, but at the same time, that's not exactly like what we're talking about here. Mm-hmm. Um, we're talking about like when it starts to act as a detriment to you and your well being and your sense of self. Merriam Webster defines it as a person who has an emotional need to please others often and at the expense of his or her own needs or desires. Yeah. And so I think that's essentially what we said. And when we look at, you know, what it is, like we both shared an overlap in the definition that I just read, you know, it's putting others, putting the needs and wants of others ahead of your own. And like you shared, that can look like, you know, anything on the spectrum from saying yes to going to this place for dinner. If like, let's say you're a vegan and this other person wants to go to a steakhouse and it's like, well, I can't really eat anything there. That would be people pleasing. <laughs> yes. Yes. Or in your mind, you're like, well, I'm, I'm sure I could get a salad. Right. right. But it's like not where you want to go at all. Right. Yeah. Which is different from if you don't really want to go to the steakhouse, but like it's their birthday and you could go to this place instead that has like steak and vegan food. Like that would be a compromise. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's important just to note because while no, like you didn't get your way in that sense, granted that other person didn't either because they still wanted to go to the steakhouse. Like you might've ended up at Chili's like (laughs) where we got both. Like, you know, actually I don't know if they have vegan food at at Chili's, but you get what I'm saying. Um, (laughs) Like you both made a compromise there. And so when we do that, like compromise can be a healthy practice when it's something that's done right. Like it can lead to, um, you know, building that relational equity because you, we worked together for a shared goal. Right. And, you know, whenever that happens, like that's a collaboration. And so that's important, I think, to note, um, because that's different from people pleasing, which is being agreeable to things that you disagree with and yeah, putting others needs in front of your own. And so you touched on something earlier that I want to make sure that we expound on. And, you know, you already talked about how people pleasing as an evolutionary tactic enabled you to have more compassion for yourself. Mm-hmm. And like I said, I think it's something that's been cast in this negative light and that it's something where people are kind of like embarrassed about, right? Like, where it's like, oh, I'm a, pe- I'm a people pleaser. Like as if you're farting uncontrollability in public or something. And it's important to remember, like you said, why? And you went into that. And I want to hear a little bit about like what your experience was like whenever you learned um, the difference of like, oh, well, this is why I do this. Like how, because wow. you mentioned it enabled you to have more compassion. So like, what was that like? And how did you figure it out? Yeah, I mean, 
part of it is like, it was a really long journey, right? Because at first I had the label people pleasing, but um, when people would ask me stuff, like, why are you saying yes when you want to say no, or Mm. you speak up for yourself? Why are you avoiding this conflict? Um, I was really good at gaslighting myself, right? It Mm. was like, well, I don't really care. I don't really, it doesn't bother me that much, even though internally, like I couldn't stop thinking about it. I had a lot of anxiety and discomfort, you know? Um, And then at some point I heard about people pleasing and jumping through hoops. um, And I did it a lot with this one company that I used to contract with because they basically threatened that if you did not, jump through the hoops, then, then they wouldn't give you gigs. They wouldn't give you jobs. Yeah. So they, I mean, they knew what they were doing. Right. Um, and so I justified the jumping through hoops and the people pleasing because I liked the work that I did and I wanted more of it. Mm. Right. And then I started to, um, you know, study more about neuroscience and about the nervous system. And, you know, I knew the basics of like fight, uh, fight, flight, and then like freeze faint. Um, and then fawn started coming out. And when I started to hear about fawn, um, I was like, oh my gosh, that is people pleasing. And that is like, now I get it as an evolutionary tactic to Mm. keep me safe, Mm -hmm. right? It kept me safe in my community of work, even though it was at the expense of my well being. So was that safe? Right. 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 Um, and I, you know, I avoided conflict or when I did speak up, I very easily agreed with them and moved on, even if I didn't agree with them. And so for me, when I really understood that it was a nervous system response, when I would notice it come up, right, like wanting to say yes again, because I wanted to be liked, because I wanted to be safe in community, I was like, oh, like you need some extra support right now. Like, what do you need right now? Do you need to say a flat out no? Do you need to say like, oh, let me think about this and I'll get back to you, Mm. right? Rather than the impulse in like the instant, like, yes, 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 right? Um, And at the same time during all of that, I had a friend who like, she was so good at advocating for herself. Mm. She was so good at saying no. And she was so good at calling out the BS with this one particular company, right? Where she was modeling to me boundaries and that she was still safe in the community. Mm. Modeling to me, speaking up, right? Where things didn't always go her way, but, but they were at least received, Right. Mm-hmm. She wasn't just outright like fired. Right. And so that was or rejected other- from the community. Yeah. Or yeah. rejected. And eventually she left because th- she saw their toxic behavior and she was like, I'm done with this. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but so for me, it was the two part of starting to understand that this was a way to keep me safe. And so I could have more compassion when I noticed the urge to come up. Mm-hmm. And then I had a role model showing me that it was safe to say no, it was safe to speak up. Um, and so that's really like, what happened with me there. It's like, it, it went hand in hand because it would have probably been harder to apply the knowledge mm-hmm. without seeing someone else doing it at that right. point in my life. Right. And you touched on something that's important. Like you, we, you, anyone listening, watching, like you, me, myself, like everyone, anyone can read all of the books and like have all the knowledge, but it's the way I like to think of it is, you know, you, whenever you're studying for a doctor, you know, you, it's different between reading the stuff and then like going and practicing surgery. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's the same in this sense, whenever we're talking about not just people pleasing, but whenever we're talking about anything, when it comes to like personal development, whether that be having a difficult conversation, whether that be setting a boundary, whether that be advocating for your needs, asking for a raise, anything like that. Like we can, we can do all the things, setting a habit, like apply it to literally anything we can do. We can, we can know all the stuff. But until we learn how to apply it and until we actually take that action, because knowledge isn't shit without, like, without action. And so until we actually take that step and that's how we learn, right? Like we first are aware of it, then we start to try it and actually act on it. And then eventually it becomes like a habit. And so I think that that's an important thing to note because for anyone listening and watching, if you are someone who's like, yeah, yeah, like I know all that stuff, but you're not doing it, then just use that as an opportunity to do a little like pulse check on yourself. Like, 
a little like self-reflection there. And again, not to shame anyone, but just to, to be mindful because oftentimes it's like, well, I know this stuff. Like I know this stuff, like, why isn't it working? Well, if I, you know, have a phone protector and I'm like, well, I've got it. I've got it. Like, why does my phone keep getting scratched when I drop it? Well, because I'm not actually, it's, it's not only right. I'm not actually applying it. Like I didn't, I didn't put, take the action to put the cover on the phone. Yeah. And so same thing in this situation is something where you have to start to, first of all, have the awareness and then, and we'll talk more about like some actual steps to stop people pleasing a bit later, but prefacing with, it's one of those things where you have to actually like act on it. And as a testament to what you were saying, whenever you have someone else to demonstrate, right? Like that's essentially what she's doing. Like, that's why if we go to, like, I relate a lot of things to working out. Like Mm -hmm. if I tell you how to do a movement, that's one thing. But if I'm just sitting there verbally saying it, or if you're just reading how I've written to do it, that's not the same as me seeing you do it as me watching it in action and application and being able to get that type of a, of a stimulus that I can observe in that way. And so, yeah, I think that that's important and I'm glad that you had that because yeah, like who knows like what would have happened if you weren't in that position where you're able to sort of practice and see it happen like in real time. Yeah. 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 I mean, who knows? Like maybe at some point I would have started, you know, and I, I started applying it to other areas of my life, but Mm -hmm. like the biggest area of people pleasing at that point was my job. Right. right? And then second to that was in the dating world at the time. Like I would compromise myself to try to make others happy. Right. I wasn't compromising with them. Right. Um, But yeah, I mean, the, the thing that you said, I really love the phrase active practice. Mm, right. Like mm-hmm. anything we're learning in books, any self-development, any self-help, any changes we want to do, we have to put it into practice. It has to be actively practiced for us to change that habit. Yeah. Um, and it's always like starting small, right? Like I didn't start saying no right away. I started right. like putting a space in and being like, let me get back to you. Right. In uh Shannon and I did a conversation boundaries one-on-one for shit I wish someone told me. And we talk about that um, where it's like, okay, like now that you know how to do it, like you're not going to go, if you've never told your boss, no, I mean, you could, but it's not yeah. recommended Yeah, that you, that you then suddenly go and start telling your boss, like that that's not like, no, like I won't stay like past nine or like, I won't like or five or whatever. Um, it's, it's good to start small. It's good to maybe even enlist the support of a friend to mm-hmm. say like, Hey, I'm working on saying no and not people pleasing. Like, do you mind if I practice with you? Like I might tell you no, but then turn around and be like, actually, yeah, I would like to come to dinner just to practice, but I'm not going to let you know when I'm doing it or when I'm not until after the fact. So that way it's, it's safe. It's a safe practice. Right. And yeah. your friend can support you with that because you don't have to worry about how they might react. Right. And so, yeah. I I love that also, because if you are practicing any new way of being right, like any new way, like not even just with people pleasing, but, but I'll use that example because it's a great one. Like the ability to just start saying no, Mm -hmm. like practice it with people you feel safe with first and even like mean it, right? Like if you tell your friends, I'm practicing saying no, sometimes your friends might try to guilt trip you. Sometimes they might want to, they want to hang out with you. They might try to turn your no into a yes. Mm-hmm. But if you tell your friends, this is what I'm practicing, please respect these boundaries because they're going to help me with my well-being in other areas of my life, right? Then you get to practice with people that want to support your well-being, yeah. right? And like your friends aren't being jerks by pushing like and saying, oh, come on, come hang out. But, but if they want to hang out with you, they might not take your no seriously. And so if you right. can start having people take your no seriously, your boundary seriously, then you can start applying it to other areas too. Yeah. I love that. One of the things that Margo and I spoke about in creating a life on your own terms. So Margo co-host of anxiety warriors was that, um, asking for help isn't a sign of weakness. It's a sign of strength. It was one yeah. of the, one of the things that she wished someone to told her about creating a life on her own terms. And I think that that goes the same when it comes to, or we can apply that as well when it comes to any type of personal development, setting boundaries, Mm -hmm. saying no, stopping people pleasing, whatever. Um, So yeah, just wanted to acknowledge that there. Um, So we've talked about, you know, what people pleasing is 
and how we kind of got here and you know that has this sort of negative connotation um let's touch on like why like why do people look at people pleasing as such a negative thing like what's the problem when it comes to people pleasing yeah well i think i think it depends on who we're asking Mm-hmm. Right. Because if you are dating a guy and you're just people pleasing him and, you know, he's getting all these cooked meals and he can go out whenever he wants and he doesn't ever have to text you back. And you're just always so happy to see him the few times you get to see him or whatever, you know, I sound like, like a golden retriever that can cook. <laughs> there you go. Right. Like he might not mind people pleasing so much. Right. He might not want to stay with you long term because you're not offering much to the relationship except for him receiving, receiving, receiving. Mm-hmm. Um, but he might not mind it. So I think it's really like who who is looking at people pleasing as a problem. And I think ultimately it's the people that are doing the people pleasing that realize they have no idea who they are. Right. Or they are just noticing feeling always depleted and burnt out. Yeah. You know, and I think that's where the that's where the real problem is, is the people pleasers are not feeling nourished, fulfilled or satisfied. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why it's negative, because that's the other part is like. If you don't know who you are. Right, then people might. Interpret you in a certain way, mm-hmm. right, like right. you're not being authentic, you're not trustworthy. Right. Um, and so. Yeah, I mean, I think it's multiple parts, but I, I think the problem with people pleasing is you lose out on on yourself yeah. and and who you are and getting to know yourself and 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 being confident that you are enough. Yeah. Something that you're reminding me of, like people might have a, a misconception of who you actually are. You might be someone that, like you said, they can, you know, take advantage of, like for lack mm-hmm. of a better term. And mm-hmm. I think that goes you know, into kind of this like assimilation, like one of the things that I think is a major problem or concern with people pleasing is the fact that we become these alternate versions of ourselves. Like we become like the pseudo version of who we actually are. And it's oftentimes, you know, not because we, we want to change who we are by any means. It's just that we get so caught up in trying to be who we think this other person wants us to be and like check off all those boxes that we think are things that they want from us. And in the process, we end up getting caught up in like losing ourselves. And it's exhausting to try to always, you know, be meeting someone else's needs and like switching different hats, depending on like who your audience is and like remembering like, oh, well, these are you know, the, the check boxes for this person. And this is, you know, the check boxes for that person. And I think that, you know, whenever we do that, like, obviously that sucks and, you know, no one wants to intentionally compromise ourselves and, you know, there are negative impacts that that can have on our mental health and it can burn ourselves out. Like I mentioned being exhausting and, you know, what is the real harm in that? Like, what is the real harm whenever we start to, you know, like bend who we are and try to fit into this box? Like, I mean, it sounds pretty, like, I think that we can all like hear that and think like, oh, well, that's not good, but what's the real harm here? Like, just so we're all clear, let's talk about that for a minute. Yeah. Wait. So before we do that, I want to go back to one thing you said, because you were saying like, we learn how to interact and people please with different people and, oh, okay, with this person, I'm more like this. And with this person, I'm more like this, you know, like, um, and, and I, I just want to point out that like, all of that comes from childhood, Mm -hmm. right? Like when you think about like, when you're a toddler, like the grownups are telling you who you are, right? You're like, I don't want that. And they're like, no, you don't like you listen to me right now. Right. Like, like, um, yes, you do. Like, yeah, you love spaghetti, right? Like whatever it might be. Or each I don't like spaghetti. No. And and then um, you know, in school, mm. you have to be with different teachers. And you know what? The teachers that like you, mm-hmm. you know, ultimately keep you safe, mm-hmm. right? 
they're nicer to you. They're not yelling at you. You know, you might get longer recess than the naughty kid, like, right? And so we're conditioned in school. We're conditioned in society. Be easygoing, you know, listen to the people around you. And then the teachers and the grown-ups all project who you are to you. Which, you know? God, this is so good. So the, the projector, I don't mean to, to cut you off. No, I'll, do it. I'll hop in and then hop out. So hopping in the, like you said, the teachers and the the caregivers that are telling you who you are, are most likely telling you who they wish that they had been able to be or who they wish that they had had. Like they're trying to make you into some version of themselves that they are trying to compensate for whenever they do that, whenever they're not enabling you to just kind of be, and you mentioned the school systems. And I know that like some are getting better, but let's be honest, most school systems teach us to follow directions. They don't teach us how to critically think and consider who we are. They teach us, they, they tell us, like you said, who we are. And so it's something where whenever we are really looking at this from adults, because at the time you have to depend on your caregivers or, you know, your teachers, because like, what do you know? Right. Mm -hmm. And I also want to point out, oftentimes we, we assume blame and the reason that we do that and we think like, oh, this is my fault. And the reason that we fall is because we want that person to like us, like you said, because that means like more benefits for us. Yeah. And whenever we, you know, assume that blame and like, well, it must be me. Like I need to change something. It's because we don't know much and we can't articulate much because we're so small our language and our skills and our emotional intelligence hasn't developed. But at the same time, we know enough that if we are in the position where we, as you know, a child, um, aren't in a good relationship with that person. Like if we can't depend on them to care for us, then that means sudden death. And yeah. so we have yeah. to assume that they, the caregiver, the authority, the teacher, the parent, we have to assume that they know what's best. And so that therefore is why we internalize a lot of this and we change ourselves because we're like, well, they're the one in control here. They're the one in charge. The problem must be me. So just wanted to, okay. Hopping back out now. 100. I mean, that's, I mean, that's really, I got nothing really more except for like, it's exactly what you said. And I'm not, I'm not like, I'm not knocking teachers. I've been a teacher, right? I'm not like teacher bashing. When you have 30 kids, you want to have some like, like not much chaos, but by keeping the classroom safer or quieter, right? What you're enforcing on children is compliance. Mm -hmm. And in that compliance is the learned behaviors of of people pleasing, right? Mm -hmm. Because if you speak up for yourself, that's conflict. The teacher might not like it, kick you out of the class. Right. right? So you learn to be agreeable very early on. Um, but okay, so you asked way before, what's the harm in all this, right. right? And so the first thing is, is if you're just a little light people pleaser and it gives you joy helping other people out, then that's, there's no harm there, right? Like there is no harm in, it's like not a blanket statement, people pleasing is bad or good, mm -hmm. right? But if you're people pleasing and you notice that you're feeling taking advantage of, right? Uh, if you're people pleasing and you notice you have low self-esteem and you're always trying to like seek that other people like you, right? That's information there. Um, if you're people pleasing and uh, you know your, your self-esteem is impacted by others or you're just always mentally exhausted or mm -hmm. you realize you have no idea who you are or you notice that you always change yourself based on who you're with, um, that can all be really like self-harmful, right? <laughs> always feeling burnt out, always feeling like you are um, on, I can't think of the word right now, you're always on call for others, right? Mm -hmm. You can't let yourself rest and relax because you always need to be ready for the next person that you can help. Right. Um, you know, I think that that's a lot of what the the harm is in people pleasing is if you are surrendering yourself, right, to others. If you are giving up your ability to feel happiness or joy, maybe you don't even know how to feel those things without being in relationship to people pleasing others. Um, then I'd say that that's where like the, the harm is yeah. and ultimately it can lead to like, you know, 
mental health challenges. <laughs> right. Yeah. Thank you for sharing all that. And something else that we had spoken about whenever we were preparing for this conversation to share with everyone is that, yeah, and we touched on this earlier, it's something where the next thing you know, you can turn around and you're like, wait, not only did I lose myself, but I don't even remember who that person was. And I'm not even sure now that I think about it, that I even knew who it was. Mm -hmm. And so it can really spiral into, and we're talking like worst case scenario here, kind of. But it can really spiral into like this identity, dare I say, crisis, which shows up with, and I think that this was your verbiage, like a shitty internal narrative. Like Mm -hmm. it can show up with us like feeling like, you know, we have a loss of a sense of ourselves. Like I said, we are experiencing essentially an identity crisis. We're wondering like, you know, wait, who are we? Why are we here? Like real existentialism kind of stuff. And we're exhausted and stressed out and feeling burnout, like I mentioned earlier, and we don't know why. And what we're doing is we are relying on everyone else to validate us and, you know, to, to give us our confidence by telling us like, oh, like, thanks. I'm so glad you did this. Like, oh, like, I appreciate that you're being so accommodating because what ends up happening whenever we people please is that we are surrendering our responsibility for our own happiness. Mm-hmm. And therefore, by default, if it's not my responsibility, that shit's yours, right? Yeah. Like my expectation is now on you to be responsible for my happiness and my, you know, welfare in that sense. And yeah. so we're giving our power away. It's a form of victimhood mm-hmm. where we choose to not advocate for our own needs and happiness because, like I mentioned earlier, we're so caught up in trying to like make everyone else happy and check off the boxes that we think that they want us to to meet and to check. Yeah. And we then justify it by saying, you know, but why did these things happen to me? Like, why, why didn't this person like show up for me? Like I always help everyone else. Like I'm such a good yes. person. Yes. And then we get sympathy from the other people like, oh yeah, you're right. You are a really good person. You do always like, I, I don't know why they did this. And yes. therefore we affirm our worth. And then we just perpetuate the cycle. And it's probably, you didn't communicate. Right. Or you're surrounding yourself by a lot of like takers who don't care about you. Like, you oh, know, yeah. what I mean? like, like when that happens, when it's like, why well, I'm such a good person, like, why aren't my friends showing up for me? It's like, well, one, you didn't communicate that mm-hmm. <laughs> this is important to you. You know, you let them think that it was okay for them to not show up or two, you're surrounding yourself with jerks. But yeah, um, you reminded me about when we had talked about this before, too, that ultimately all of this can lead to actually like really bad shit, right? Like, like when we're conditioned to people, please, and it is a way that keeps us safe. It can also lead us to harmful places. Yeah. Um, and, and we talk trigger about- warning, trigger warning, <laughs> talking about physical and sexual assault here. So trigger warning. Yeah. I mean, That's the thing. If you have a hard time saying no, if you have a hard time having boundaries, right. And you haven't been taught this, like most of your life, then what happens when you're in a situation with another person where they're trying to force themselves on you and you're trying to say no. Right. But eventually you just kind of like acquiesce. You're like, all right. Like I went on a date with him. I guess I owe him something. Right. Mm -hmm. Like I had, I, it was one of the times in my early twenties. I was so happy. I said, no, I went on a date with this guy. He was a friend of a friend. Right. So he was supposed to be safe. He was my friend's friend from high school. Right. Mm -hmm. I'm in my like early twenties and he takes me to this really nice dinner in New York city. It's like this steakhouse. I don't give a, I don't care about this shit. Right. But for him, he was like, Oh, he's peacocking. Yeah, he was, you know, got me like the nicest steak. I didn't care. Right. But I enjoyed it. Right. And then like we had a nice like drink or whatever. And um, I wasn't living in the city. So I was going to like, I don't know, drive home, take a bus home. I don't know what I was going to do. And I remember going back to his place first because that's where my car was. And then he was forcing himself on me. And he basically said to me, you owe me. And I was like, Right? Now I'm part of me felt guilty. It was like, oh, maybe I should have paid for my half a dinner or, oh, maybe, the, but I was like, no, 
And that felt really good because that hasn't always happened, right? Where it's a flat out, I don't owe you shit. Like you take me out and we're good. Like that's it. I don't owe you anything for that. But that's how like the people pleasing can get us in trouble. Is when when we put ourselves in situations where we want to be liked and, oh, well, we can see the other person's side of it. Then we might say yes to things that are actually like, we don't want to be physical with this person. We don't mm-hmm. want to be with this person, but it's just easier to do it than to like the fear of saying no and what's going to happen after that. Yeah. Yeah. And we can even look at this when it comes to, we mentioned caregivers in childhood. I think people are getting better about this. I don't know. I don't have kids, but I know that, and I don't know if I remember exact times myself, but, you know, being at the family cookout and not wanting to hug uncle Bob because he's crazy. And I have actually, there was a family member that made like weird comments to me about how like, oh, you're looking good. They told me that I look like Alanis Morissette. And I'm like, I don't know if that's like, because we have long hair. Like, I don't like, but like, and, and like, while that wasn't like, oh, like, you know, nice ass, it still was something to where I was probably like 14. And I was like, this makes me uncomfortable yep. kind of a thing. And, you know, that's something where instead of like saying, like, don't say that shit, you know, I was kind of taught to like, well, they don't mean anything by it. Like, you know, right. Yeah. Like they're a little weird, like. Yeah. Oh, Uncle Bob just says inappropriate things. Yeah. And I'm like, and that doesn't make it okay. <laughs> Especially as, you know, someone who was an adolescent, like you're conditioning me to put up with that bullshit. And so, yeah, that can translate into years later, me not saying other things and someone else like causing me harm. Yeah. Unfortunately, it hasn't happened, knock on wood, but this yeah. is the reality of like what can happen. And this yeah. isn't to scare anyone or try to, you know, fear monger, but this is to just be really real about like what the long-term impacts of like, and, yeah. and not being taught consent. I mean, that's what you're, you know, when you're five and you're being forced to hug other family members, friends, and you don't want to, what you're learning is other people's feelings are more important than your feeling of safety. Yeah. Then, then my, like my, my body autonomy. Yeah. Right. Right. And you being able to say no. And so yeah. when you're learning that on repetition from such a young age, yeah. Like well, up with older, well, just go give them a hug. Like, don't make them feel bad. Like they'll think right. you don't like them or you don't love oh, them. And I'm like, Uncle Bob's going to be sad if you don't hug him. Yeah, and I'm like, you don't want Uncle Bob's sad. And I'm like, like, he's a grown ass man. He yeah. can navigate his feelings. He doesn't need a hug from me. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So we got pretty intense there Yep, <laughs> for a minute. So uh, coming, coming back out of that, um, now that we've spoken about what the cost is, let's talk about what some of the benefits are when we don't people please. Yeah. Yeah. Share some um, of those with us. I mean, I know that when I started to practice, like first giving space before responding, mm. like that gave me like a boost of trust in myself, mm-hmm. right? Rather than the instant, like, yes, yes. With a, you know, cherry on top, right? Like, mm-hmm. let me do a song and dance to let you know how happy <laughs> I am to say yes to you, right? Like instead, when I started to say like to the people that I worked with, when I would say, let me get back to you, it was like building that tiny little muscle of trust mm. I love that. that. Yeah. You know, yeah. You, you were doing some boundary bicep curls. Yes, that's exactly it. And every time I said, I didn't say flat out no, right? I said, let me get back to you. And then I had time to really sit and decide is this something I want to do? Right. Is this something I'm willing to do? Or am I just doing it because it's fear based that I won't get more opportunities if I say no? Right. Right. And then the more that I started to say, like, no, right? And actually, to be totally like just upfront and honest, like that friend of mine was modeling saying no. Um, and I had been learning about the fawn response. But also during that time, like I had like lost a family member to cancer. And so I had less time on my plate to say yeah. yes to stuff anyway. And for me, that was like the huge catalyst. And every time I said yeah. no, I started to feel like more confident, more empowered, more like I matter, 
right? Yeah. Showing up for me matters and just yeah. really valuing who I was rather than sacrificing myself to appease the work people, yeah. right? So it, for me, it like, it made me feel confident being me. Yeah. Like, practicing saying no. And it gave you probably like, I don't want to speak for you, but would you say it gave you like a sense of control? Oh, I mean, absolutely. I, I mean, yeah, right. It Things started to become more and more on my terms. Yeah. Like, you know, this is an example, but like at the time, this is another New York City story, but I was living three hours north of the city at the time. And they would always have these unpaid meetings. And when I used to live in New York City, I would go to them, even though I was a little resentful. It's like, you're forcing us to go to these meetings. You're not paying us for them. We're independent contractors. So it's mm. not even like it's evening out. You're right. just asking us for free, you know. Free, free labor, essentially. Yeah, free labor. And um, And so when I was three hours north, I had to say no. I wasn't going to travel six hours for a stupid meeting that wasn't yeah. required, right? But with every time that I I did that, yeah, it was like, I just, it just felt good. I yeah. just was like, this is who I am. I can say no now. I I can say this, yeah. and it's, you know, so yeah. And thank so, you for your transparency and sharing. I didn't know that you were going through the grieving the loss. Oh, I had forgotten actually when I, for, but when I started to remember the timing of saying mm -hmm. all the no's, I remembered that that was a big piece of it. And that helped me say no. I think that's an important part to mention because what came up for me is I was like, of course, because like there's less fucks to give. It's like, mm -hmm. yes, when yes. we have certain situations, it, they, they smack us in the face with the reminder of like, this is what's really important. Right. And yeah, I think, and I hope that by sharing this conversation today with everyone listening and watching that you have the awareness to know that you have the power to not let it get to that point. Right. Like right. you can do something about it now, because I mean, obviously most people listening know what happened. You know what happened. Um, I lost my mother in December and yeah, like there've been these moments then and since then where I'm just like, that, that doesn't matter. Like. Yeah. <laughs> this is bullshit. Like this is, this is stupid stuff. Like this doesn't matter. Like, no. would I rather spend my time with my family or would I rather like get these emails out? And I'm like, what, what really matters? Like in five years, what am I going to look back Yeah, and recall? So okay. all yeah. the people pleasing you did or all the special times you had with people that matter. Exactly. And so I yeah. um, wanted to touch on that because I think that that's very important to note and that like whenever people are like going through this process and that's not to say like you have to like, you know, go through a, a death, but it's to say that you don't have to, like you can very much like granted that like does have a different impact. Again, it's kind of like reading the book and actually like acting it out, but it's something where, you know, when you think about it in those terms, when you put yourself in that perspective, um, you know, it, it serves you as a catalyst. And so may it do that without having to go through the actual experience. Um, yeah. yeah. So that was a little off topic, but getting back on topic in terms of like the benefits, like you mentioned, like you felt more in control. Um, you felt like you had like improved confidence, um, feelings of self-worth, like you said, inner trust was another thing yeah. that you mentioned. And I think that some other benefits are just like a peacefulness, right? Because it's like, I don't have to do that. Like, that doesn't really matter. Instead of kind of getting this anxiety about like, oh, like, what should I do? What if I say right. no? Like, right. will they like, like that's me? overthinking. There's yeah. Noise in the head. Exactly. Calculating, you know? Exactly. Like, like when you say peacefulness for, for me and, and like, peacefulness absolutely but it was like less feelings of guilt less mm. feelings of overwhelm less like feeling like I put too much on my plate yeah. yeah it was more of a free feeling for sure yeah I love that and like we mentioned like sense of self like that inner trust like you start to rebuild the relationship with yourself yes which has great overflowing effects and something that I wrote one of the benefits is like just fucking living like yeah. When you aren't living to please others, it's a whole different vibe, if you right. will. Like, right. 
it's a totally different thing. And I think that this is something that, again, is sneaky, like we said in the beginning. And we might often realize like, holy shit, like I, I really am a people pleaser. Like there's mm-hmm. lots of versions of me and, mm-hmm. you know, I'm just trying to check everyone else's boxes. And so I think that that's a completely different human experience than working in collaboration and being in like meaningful connection and doing the things that you want to do with the people that want to do them with you and creating that type of an environment. So yeah, I would say that those are some of the benefits. Totally. I mean, just by like, when, when things present themselves that like your habit is to people, please, your habit is to compromise yourself to say yes to others. When you just pause in those moments, right. Rather than the go-to habit and you ask yourself, do I really want to do this? That's again, like one rep for who am I? What do I like? What do I value? Right. And ultimately that helps you get to what you're saying, like to just live, to just live your life. Because once you're more confident about who you are, you care a lot less about what other people think. Yeah. Yeah. And once you start respecting your time and energy, other people will follow suit because you're modeling the behavior for how other people are interacting with you. And we already know that helps. <laughs> we already know that helps. So, <laughs> yeah. so I mean, all that sounds like good stuff, like confidence, self-worth, inner trust, mm-hmm. uh, you know, sense of self and peacefulness and, you know, just living. So this is something we've talked about that we're going to share. Like, how do we do it then? How do we stop people pleasing? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think the first thing is awareness. Like how does it show up in your life? Which is what you said at the very beginning. Is it like everywhere? Right. Right. Um, And then like pick the smallest thing, right? That you feel like, okay, I can work on setting boundaries with my very good friend Mm -hmm. who will support me in it. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think again, like what we're circulating, circulating, circling around and what we're, we're saying time and time again is getting to know yourself, Mm -hmm. getting to know what you value you know, really when, when things arise that are being asked of you, or when things arise where you notice you want to communicate, but your habit is to not do it, like sit with that first, like for some reason we all, maybe I'll just speak for me, but for some reason I used to feel like I always had to be on and ready and on call. Mm -hmm. And I always had to like answer right away. You know, mm-hmm. text message, got to respond right away, mm-hmm. right? Email, got to respond right away. Oh, that and shit it's like, me a while ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and like, but, but I don't need to, right? I If I am excited to, that's different, but I don't need to respond right away. And so those pauses, right, really help me one, sit in the discomfort of not responding right away, but then two, giving me the space to be like, okay, how do I want to respond? Yeah. So it's not from like a conditioned habit, but it's coming from who I am right now. Like right? a mindful awareness. Yes. Like maybe 10 years ago, I would have said yes to like, all right, not even 10 years ago, but maybe like 15 years ago, I would have said yes to like going out and like drinking all night with someone, right? Like a friend or a buddy or whatever. That is not who I am now, right? So mm-hmm. the other part is part of learning who you are and having that sense of self is also not identifying with your past self, mm-hmm. but knowing who you are now. So you're setting the boundaries of who you are now, not who you used to be. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. And yeah, I would, I second awareness is the first step. Um, yeah. And I think it's the first step to a lot of change and one of the things that we mentioned earlier on as well was like, you know, make sure, like have a conversation with yourself, like have a little sit down. Are you people pleasing? Like, is that what's actually happening? Or are you just being nice sometimes? Because I think that, you know, we, we masquerade like the, the notion of like, what we all know kind of what people pleasing is now. And like we shared, like there's a difference. And so just, you know, make sure that if you are truly people pleasing, then is the time to like move forward with those kinds of steps. And if you are just someone who is collaborating, who is compromising, who is like, you know, yeah, sure. I'll help you move on Saturday kind of a thing because you don't have anything else to do. Then that's one thing. But if you're like, um, okay, yeah. like, I'll help you move on Saturday and you have to like rearrange your schedule. Like that's different. <laughs> right. 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 It's the same situation, but it's, it's what's happening in your life. And, and how you feel about saying that, yes. Yeah. 
you know, or like even in like, okay, that moving example, which is a great example. It's like, okay, you already had plans, but you want to help this person. Maybe you set boundaries. They can help you for two hours. Yeah. Then you get to do a little people pleasing and be nice. Exactly. Right? Help this other person out. But you also haven't like set your whole day aside for moving now because right. you have plans to do other stuff. Like that's yeah. a great example. Yeah. Thank you for piggybacking on. Thank you for hopping on board with it. Um, but yeah, aside from that, getting aware, like if you are like, oh, fuck, I'm people pleasing. Like you mm-hmm. said, then think about like, what's the tiniest place that you can start? Like become aware of like where you're people pleasing. If there's overlap, like we asked at the beginning of this conversation, you know, kind of start to think of, you know, where these things are coming up for you, if they're coming up. And so if you're listening, you're like, oh, like maybe I need to start setting some boundaries around work. Okay. Like, what does that look like? Is that a time boundary? Is that a work volume boundary? Like what, what kind of, is that a, I don't want to go out to lunch with you people kind of a boundary? Like, (laughs) what does that look like? And so also I think that whenever we set these boundaries and, you know, make these like start to say no, it's important to remember why, like what's in alignment with our values? Like how is our choice? I love what you said about like being present, you know, just because something is what you've always done doesn't mean that's what you have to continue to do. And so I think that's really important because we just get these habits and like identify with that as being who we are. Mm -hmm. And it's not like you are a multifaceted like multi like evolving evolving exactly like perpetually evolving like human and so just because like you were that person doesn't mean that you have to be you can be but as humans we have the neocortex which allows us to discern between what was what is and what is you know potentially in the future will be and to take all that knowledge and like mix it together and leverage that past experience so that we have a higher likelihood of getting the outcome that we want in the future. That's how we've managed to have so many technological advances. That's how we have managed to, like you shared in the beginning, like catapult like our current reality and like systems and structures of society forward while our biology is still kind of operating like back in the day, like we're still yeah. living in the woods with our communities kind of a thing. And so it's important to not exist within that, but to step outside of it. And like you said, get mindful about what's happening, where it's happening, what's needed, what boundary do I need to set? How do I actually start it and like start to practice those, like you said, um, and to, you know, evolve it from there. Like you said, like every, I love what you said, like every, every no is like a rep for yourself. Like, yes. <laughs> and so, um, I love that notion. That's like a rep, like repetition, like working out for anyone who's not familiar. But I think that that's such a great analogy because yeah, it's not like you're going to have bulging biceps overnight, but the more you continue to practice it, the more it's going to show. And the more you're going to be able to simply show up and have people become aware. They're like, you won't even have to eventually say these things because people will already know because they can see it. They've, they've seen you model that behavior for a long time. Now they can see it on you and like who you are. And one thing too, that I wanted to add is start taking better care of yourself, whatever that means to you. If you are a people pleaser and you know, you're someone who wants to take better care of others. The best thing that you can do is to start take, to start to take better care of yourself. And I think that that's something that we hear, we're like, yeah, yeah, whatever. But if you think about it, if I'm always trying to take care of others, then like, there's nothing left for me. Like the better prepared and more solid my foundation is the more people I can have in my house mm-hmm. is essentially like the way it is the more emotional capacity that I have. And so, yeah, if you want to take better care of others, start taking better care of yourself. Yeah. Love it. And I, I want to add one thing to the weight when you were talking about it, right? Cause it's like every rep gets that muscle a little bit stronger. But the other part is like, I don't lift weights. So if I go to a gym to lift weights, I'm not going to start with 50 pounds. Mm -hmm. I'm going to start with five. And it's the same thing with like changing your habits around people pleasing. You're not going to become a person, different person overnight. You're going to start with like saying, give me 15 minutes and I'll respond. Yeah. 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 I love that. Thank you for that addition. Good stuff. Mm -hmm. So we've really provided a pretty comprehensive overview of people pleasing. Mm -hmm. We looked at what it is. We have shared that it is a spectrum and -hmm. while it can have negative impacts like anxiety, low confidence, low self-esteem, loss of a sense of self and burnout, 
the reason that we do it is because it is part of our biology and our need to want to be accepted and feel like we're providing value. And even so, it's important to be able to have the self-awareness to step back every now and again and like assess the situation to see if you are in fact compromising yourself, which like we mentioned also is different from a collaborative mm-hmm. situation and a collaborative compromise with another person to reach a common goal. And some of the ways that you can you know, start to do that self-assessment is to just to be more mindful, like recognize, like take a step back, you know, ask yourself, like, am I people pleasing here? And if you realize that you are, then figuring out, like we shared, once you have that awareness, what kind of a boundary do you need to put into place? And like starting with that small rep, starting with that five pounds. And um, yeah, like I said, we have done an entire episode on boundaries 101. Um, that's episode 53. I'll link that below as well for anyone who needs support with that. I've also done a couple of episodes with some guests about saying no. And so, uh, yeah, we have plenty of resources here as well as Abigail and myself who are living resources that you can come to if you have any questions, comments, concerns. And so, um, I hope that what we've shared today has been valuable. So mm-hmm. what would you say your parting words are for anyone listening or watching? Yeah. I mean, I feel like I've said a lot, right? But I guess I guess my parting words are if you want things to change, things can change. Mm-hmm. The the I feel like for me the the easiest or maybe not it's simple but it's not easy was pausing. And then just asking myself is this something I really want to do or do I feel like I should? Right. Right? And that simple like just asking myself that Um, really toxicity of should yes exactly the guilt the toxicity the pressure of should right do I want to do this do I feel like I should gave me a lot more information about who I was and the things that were important to me yeah yeah I love that and thank you for sharing and like the pause is a great place to start Mm -hmm. like if if you're wondering like well okay this is a lot what do I do the pause is a great place to start if you're someone who instantly responds. And so, yeah, thank you for sharing that. Yeah. All right, ma'am. Well, where can they find you? What do you have going on? Um. All right, let's see. You can find me right where you said on my website, abigailwilber.com. You can find me on Instagram, abigail underscore the mindfulness practice. LinkedIn um, <laughs> wait, what'd you say? I said LinkedIn bio, but I meant LinkedIn description. Link in description. Um, and in that ASM, is that like what it's called? The, the cream oh, yeah. I'm terrible with those things. I'll do some for y'all. I'm just kidding. I will not. Um, my bad. I didn't mean to interrupt. So your website and website. Instagram, Instagram, both of which will be linked. Carry on. I'm going to stop. Yeah. Uh, I co-host a podcast, Anxiety Warriors podcast, where we also talk about people pleasing along with all other things, anxiety and mental health related. Um, and you can find me on insight timer. I offer a lot of free practices. Some of them help with pausing. Um, some of them help with self-awareness. I've made, I think about 10 so far and some are for kids and some are for adults. And I also have a couple of courses on there as well. Love. And yeah, one more time. All of that will be linked in the descriptions below. (laughs) So thank you for sharing that. And thank you for being here. And having this conversation with me and, you know, like we kept coming back to in this conversation, people pleasing really requires knowing who you are. And while we've all heard that, you know, just do you, no one, literally no one is telling you how to actually figure out who that person even is. We read the self-help books. We take the courses. We listen to the podcast. We do all of the things to try to get to know ourselves only to discover that the self-help isn't well helping. And like we mentioned in this conversation, you know, awareness is different from application. And so if that is you, um, that's exactly what I do in terms of teaching people how to figure out who it is and, you know, what's important to them. Like we spoke is also important knowing your values and to help understand why the self-help hasn't helped. I have created a free series that explains why it hasn't from an evidence-based perspective and also what to do instead. And I present this information with um, a free workbook 
And so you can go through that as well. You can even tag me and share the workbook with me so that you can comment. And so we can communicate back and forth via Google Docs so that I can actually support you as you work through the workbook, um, which is like not a long workbook, but it is an impactful one that really helps you start to understand some things that make it all make sense. So if you're interested, then highly recommend checking it out, especially if anything we said today really landed with you, because um, that will also support you in taking the awareness that you now have and applying it to you and taking that action. And so you can learn more at whenselfhelpisnthelping.com. Or if you are watching or listening, you can head to the description or the link in my bio. Um, and yeah, if you did get anything from our conversation today, please, please, please do it, do share it with someone, um, who would also benefit from learning some shit that we were, someone told us about people pleasing and on Wednesday of this week, you will be able to join us over on Instagram, where we are going to be asking you some questions about your experience with people pleasing. And we're going to be posting some polls so that on Friday, during the after party, which we're going to be having live on Instagram, you can join us and we are going to talk about what you had to say about people pleasing so that you get to see what others, you know, within your community have said, and also answer any questions that you have, and even maybe bring you on screen if you would like to do some live coaching so that we can work through whatever your particular people pleasing experience or concern looks like in real time. So mm -hmm. people please us. Mm -hmm. by sharing this with someone else and doing the polls. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. I love that. So yes, please, please do. Um, and if you have any questions, comments, concerns, like I said, just let us know we are here to support you. That is what we do. That is what pleases us. And so that is why we are here. So thank you again for listening and for watching. And we will definitely see you on Wednesday in the polls. Looking forward to hearing what you have to say. And then on Friday at the live. And until then, we'll see you on the screens. Bye.